This podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so. Some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast. Here at Coven of Rejects, we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs. While we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. What's up, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits? Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Diana Ratliff. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. I want to thank 777 Sounds for making that kick-ass introduction song. You can find them on Instagram at 777sounds announcement time you guys i'm super excited to be back feeling better covid knocked me on my ass for a week um but i feel so much better shout out to little mac who did my introduction for me last week because i didn't have a voice he was awesome i took the week off um while i had covid to literally just rest and reset i didn't go to work Obviously, I couldn't go to work with COVID, but I didn't do readings for anybody. I didn't do any kind of energy work of any kind except just like personal healing. And I feel like now I came back stronger and better and I'm super excited. It was really cool to be just sitting back, taking time to rest and still seeing how many of you were hopping on to Patreon and um, giving feedback on the um, Scotland Witch Trials video. So this is going to be something that like I start doing from now on because I loved researching and getting the history into witchcraft. That video, like I really dove in on what laws were put into place by the Catholic Church that made it so that the witch trials even started in the beginning, um, what the torture techniques were in order to get confessions from people, what the um, law system was in order to actually convict witches. Like I got down, dirty, nitty gritty in it. And I loved that energy. And so I'm going to be doing... um all kinds of those style videos. And then I'm also going to be releasing a new series um, about the dark goddesses. And um, that'll be available on every single Patreon tier. The first episode's going to drop this week. It will be a video. Um, so you'll get visuals with it. But I got the new uh, dark goddess oracle deck, which we're actually going to mention in the episode. But I'm captivated by the dark goddesses and the strengths and the different stories and journeys of each one. So I'm going to start like breaking it down and go back into like their origins and what their strengths are and start having additional episodes interviewing people who work with those goddesses. And so you get to feel out their energy too. It's just going to be so fucking awesome. Um, and then of course, everybody who is on the Patreon has discounts for merch, discounts for readings with me. Um, so if you haven't already signed up, the tier is starting at $5. So there's a $5, $10, and $20 tier. You get to pick what works for you. But the $5 tier is going to have access to all of these series. So you will get um, the historical witchcraft series and then the dark goddess series and any others that end up coming up in the future. The $5 tier will have access to that. 
So this week's guest is Sarah. She was recommended by my very good friend, Vicki, um, who's actually going to be one of our first in-person video podcast interviews that's going to be released on Patreon. Um, but Vicky is wonderful and she recommended her friend Sarah for me to talk to. And so we're going to be talking about past life regressions in here. Um, Sarah escaped a super abusive like Christian cult and just have so much like nuggets of goodness in this episode. It will be the longest episode I have yet to air. We recorded it in two different segments um, because, you know, life comes up in the middle of it and Sarah had to get away for her EDMR ceremony and then jump back in with me. So sit back, get comfortable, grab your bong or whatever you have to help pass your time and let's get into this interview with Sarah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, Vicki was like, I have the perfect person for you to talk to. I'm going to message her right now and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. We hung out recently and I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much more and more every time I talk with her. <laughs> she's insane and hilarious and amazing. I love it. I love her. I um, After she sent me the COVID meds yesterday and I FaceTimed her, she's like, can you believe this girl got so many crystals when we were out? And I'm like, no, I, I saw her videos of them in her vehicle. They're huge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm poking one right now as I talk to you. I'm like, hi, buddy. It's like, it's the size of two human heads. It's huge. I love it. What kind of crystals did you get? Um, I just really wanted quartz and selenite and that's exactly what I got. I love it. I got like two huge selenite logs feeling, um, I mean, just for decorative purposes, quartz is like so beautiful because it captures the light so well. Right. Uh, and then I really wanted one for my desk to help me. I wanted to, you know, they're also kind of like blank slates you can program them to do anything because mm -hmm. they're clear so I wanted one for my desk too so I could have it help me with my ADHD um so yeah I got a buddy for that too I love it you can just when you're getting overwhelmed just touch the rock yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so tell me, um, I mean, what I know about you is what I've seen on your social media pages, um, which I love, by the way. You give me very much like dark goddess energy. Aww. <laughs> and um, what do you categorize yourself as anything? Um, not really. I mean, I call myself a witch and um, my title would be high priestess. Um, for conversational purposes, I say, uh, I walk the left-hand path, but you know, like other than that, you, no, <laughs> I have learned from such a wide variety of sources, but also at the same time, like none at all. It's, it, I've learned mostly through my spirit teacher directing me. And so how it goes is he'll kind of be like, I'll feel drawn to like pick up this book and then read one sentence. And then oh, I have to close the book because I'll be hearing like, no, the rest of that's bullshit. You don't need that. So it's like really little bits from all over the place that I've 
collected and learned from. So I can't say that I have any other, uh, I could categorize myself in any other way or in any other methods. Yeah. Last week's guest was saying something similar and I, I agreed that um, when you kind of put a label on yourself, you're putting yourself in a box and it almost limits like research Mm -hmm. that you do and things that you expand on because you're like, oh no, well, I am this. And so I'll learn about just these traditions or these stories instead of expanding your whole palette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's always been such a turnoff to me. Uh, Any boxes of any kind. I'm an Aquarius and I cannot be in a box. (laughs) (laughs) No, Aquarius cannot be put in a box. Nah. <laughs> um, and I find that there's always like, I, I get along with Aquarius women that are very um, like driven. I feel like there's two different kinds of Aquarius where like you guys have a lot of energy and a lot yeah. of, you guys always go through crazy uh, things that are like traumatizing experiences almost. Mm. And um, I find that so many of you harness that and turn it into something so powerful and teach other people. And then you have another side who um, it's easy to kind of get lost in that. Yeah. The uh, Aquarius are kind of hard to define. Um, but yeah, there can be a side of Aquarius that are more like the Luna love goods, just like fruit loops, like <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I absolutely love weirdos but they're just going to get lost like looking at a flower and not in the sense uh, like in lost in creativity and not in creating something there you go Um, and which you know that's fine not everyone has to change the world and create something it's uh totally fine wherever you're at but aquarius's and gemini's you're gemini right i am um, yes, we are supposed to be the perfect match. Have you heard of the term Aquemini? <laughs> I've never heard of Aquemini, but it's so funny because um, before my husband, who's an Aries, I only ever dated Aquarius men. Um, I dated one Virgo right before my husband and I was like, I don't like this flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, this is a different kind of crazy that I did. I didn't know uh, existed. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that, um, and part of it, I think between that connection between Aquarius and Gemini too, is I think that Aquarius are super passionate, aggressive people in everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, as a Gemini personally, I feed off of that. Like, oh, you're motivated in this way. I'm motivated in that way. But I tend to lose myself in that because then I just am passionate mm-hmm. about the things that you're motivated to keep me passionate about. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And what I've always uh, figured was the connection between our two signs was that perhaps because the Gemini's main thing is like you have two very different sides um, or so they say uh, but an Aquarius seemed to have like multiple personality disorder <laughs> <laughs> so we've both got that going for us and usually that's that's okay because it's like uh, we we also like change so much that it's like, yeah, you can be a different person tomorrow. That's totally fine with me. That's awesome. I like 
I like different different things. Um, I like people spicing things up. Yeah, I like spicy. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about it. I was just talking with somebody the other day, um, one of my good friends. We were talking about wondering how many things have been categorized as like a mental health disorder that are actually like astrology based. And yeah. that if people knew, like, you know, if if it wasn't so woo-woo to like learn about your chart and about your sign and things like that, then multiple personalities or whatnot with Aquarius and having, you know, different sides to you as a Gemini or whatever would be, um, you would get actual like tactical ways to, to go about that and, and to get through yeah. things and use things as a strength. Yes. Yeah. I wish uh, there were more therapists that uh, took those things into consideration, but there definitely are some. I am friends with a few therapists. Oh, one of them was my student for tarot, and she uses that in her sessions. She uses tarot. Um, and so uh, I would actually be curious to ask her if she also takes into account people's astrology. Because, like, the thing is, we can have each sign may have some tendencies towards uh, a certain disposition, but when it becomes disordered is when those tendencies uh, end up like causing disruption and harm to your life. I agree. Because most of it is manageable. Like, um, and doesn't need to be, diagnosed or sure you're diagnosed but you don't really you're fine it's manageable but um yeah I think that's an issue with like the doctors that just want to prescribe things and and not listen to you and and not let you just have like a human experience like it's okay to for things to be like a little fucked up that's okay yeah (laughs) let's let's learn some tools here Yeah, I think that's um, a beautiful thing about people who um, get into like personal development and shadow work and things like that is that you get to learn the ways that you respond to things and then go through things your own self that goes back into like, why do I have this reaction and what's going on here and figure out ways to deal and cope. Um, And I think that's more talked about now as well. Yeah, it's so we're in such a hopeful time um, because so many things that were not mainstream before, yeah, that were like um, woo-woo or, you know, just like disregarded as bullshit. Uh, Can I say bullshit? Oh, yeah, we're not not, uh, limited on here. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, now things, even like you can just talk about therapy more. You can talk about all these things more and it's so exciting. And that shadow work stuff you're talking about, I think the most important relationship people are ever going to build in their life is a relationship with themselves. And that heals all things. And it is the most fantastic journey and fantastic relationship I've ever had in my life. I love spending time with me. And of course, I didn't always. 
um, I'm sure we'll get into this, but like my life was fucked until very recently. It was absolutely horrible and nonstop trauma until very recently. And so getting to know me and spending time with myself was miserable. Like, I don't want to do that. I didn't want to feel my feelings. I didn't want to be alone with myself or be alone with my thoughts and healing and so much work to get to that point. But, um, but now I'm at this point where like, I'm still doing trauma work (laughs) still. Um, But I'm really making I'm making so much progress. And I'm at this point where I absolutely love spending time with me. I love getting to know me. I love hearing my thoughts. I love pampering myself. I love like, just taking care of me as if I am like this queen, like I'm the most amazing special person. And it is an honor to spend time with me and to care for me. It's so cool. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's so new that I'm like, now I'm a hermit. I'm like, I don't want to go out there. I'm hanging out with me. Right. (laughs) What's better than me? (laughs) What's better than me? (laughs) So I want to hear about this fucked up life you've had. I mean, and you can share as much or as little as you would like. Um, Okay. So I was raised in a uh, abusive Christian home. And my parents were in a cult before I was born, a Christian cult in the 70s. I am the youngest of five children. uh, And uh, some of them were born in the cult. And this cult is still around. It's called the Jim Roberts Group, also known as the Brethren or the Brotherhood, also known as the Garbage Eaters because they were homeless. And they ate out of garbage cans and slept under bridges. Um, And so, like, when I ended up becoming a street punk years later, these stories that my mom had told me from their cult days actually ended up being really useful for figuring out how to scavenge for food and where safe places to sleep were. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And that was definitely, you know, an... Uh, unintended consequence of those conversations she probably like really regrets telling me all that stuff (laughs) but um yeah so they got out of the cult uh they were the occult the 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 cult not the occult the cult (laughs) was very abusive and um strict and so that kind of like carried over into like all of that stuff stayed as part of our family like even though they left the cult my mom never stopped being super strict uh, and neither of them stopped being abusive my dad would hit my mom and my sister Uh, and so those are my earliest childhood memories are of uh, being in the crib and watching screaming and violence Um, and so all the abuse was always like geared towards all the other siblings. And then everything really changed when I was 12 years old. 
everybody had grown up and moved out of the house. Um, and we had just moved to Las Vegas. My parents divorced and my mom like kidnapped half of us. That's a whole other thing. And I, so I she know. divorced and then got out of the cult and then wanted you guys. Um, she, they left the cult, uh, before I was born, like, a a few siblings before I was born. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, uh, but their relationship was always still very tumultuous and crazy. So she had left a bunch of times and he'd convince her to come back, my dad. And then, um, the, the last time she left, uh, she kidnapped, well, yeah, she kidnapped us. And she took us across state lines, but she only got half of us. And uh, he, my one of my sisters, my next oldest sister, the story's so sad. She was in camp, summer camp. And uh, my mom was like racing there. My dad found out my mom was going to leave. So they're both racing there. Uh, but my mom goes to the police to ask them for help. And as she's wasting time at the police station, my dad and my uncle got there first to the camp. And um, she doesn't know this. She'll probably never listen to this, hopefully. But if you do, sorry, sorry mom. Um, my uncle and my dad, she didn't see them pass her. Like, they basically crossed her path. If she had gotten there maybe 60 seconds before she would have been the first one to my sister and so we just left without her um and I can't imagine you know how my sister must have felt abandoned like she comes home from camp eight years old and her family's gone so my dad's like looking for us. I think he hired a detective. Um, but my mom, like she knew if there was any contact with him, she would have just gone back again. And so, you know, that's this is the best that she could figure to do. Um, and I get that, you know, because then I was in abusive relationships, too. Mm-hmm. So everybody moves out. I'm 12. Now, all the abuse turned towards me. I'm living with my mom. We just moved to Vegas. And Vegas is like Sin City. And I had been homeschooled. um, But like, my story is a lot of over control mixed with neglect at the same time. So somehow, I lived in a super strict religious home I'm homeschooled and you'd think my mom is like up my ass 24 hours a day but really she's like not paying any attention to me she didn't make sure I was fed she didn't make sure I was doing any school barely even I think in the beginning I had a curriculum and then it was just like I just googled things for years and then figured out how to write a five paragraph essay all by myself because I congratulations well thank you (laughs) and I got an A (laughs) congratulations again and I because I heard like that's what other people were doing my age so like my whole life I just tried so hard to socialize myself and make I I always had this word in my head like I wanted to be well adjusted 
I wanted to be a well-adjusted person. I didn't want to be some fucking homeschooled weirdo. Like now there's probably cooler homeschool kids around because all these cool parents are into it. But that was not the case before. (laughs) Fun fact, I was homeschooled too. You were? I was until, uh, until fourth grade. Yeah, so you know, the homeschool kids are weird. They're super fucking weird. And then, and my grandma homeschooled me too. So it was like extra fucking weird. Mm. Like, yeah, the only homeschool kids we knew were all other church kids. So everyone's like just super religious and so odd. So very, very weird people. And um, those religious kids, are they, they're probably super religious, but in a different religion than you. Um, everybody, I mean, they were all like Christian. Right. Yeah. It's, it might still be Christianity, but everybody's going to be very serious about practicing it in very different ways. Yeah. Like there, I think there was some families where like the kids all dressed like, uh, dresses and button up shirts and long hair. Um, yeah, everyone was just real weird. And I didn't want to be friends with any of them. <laughs> so, okay. So then I'm... So you were 12. You were being homeschooled by mom. Mm-hmm. Super, like, strict religious. Do your homework, whatnot. But also not actually having supervision or being taken care of. Right. So as an Aquarius, I loved the independence. And my whole life I was... Um, praised for the things I would do with my independence like oh you figured out how to do that whatever it was and I was always proud of my little adventures and all of my things I would do with my independence I never felt neglected until all everything turned towards me I mean I, and I actually like was kind of neglected but I didn't feel it at all so that was not traumatic until that I was told basically that like that was a sin everything I did was evil and wrong and I'm bad 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 to my core and uh and I had done nothing wrong my mom just had listened to these um tapes by this parenting group called focus on the family which is still around I don't know if you've heard of that I've never heard of that but Sounds culty. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck those guys. Everybody whose lives these parenting techniques have touched were severely traumatized and fucked up from it. Um, And I think there's like support groups. Like it's, it was bad. What kind of things does that, does those tapes teach? Well, they told, they convinced parents that their child had a rebellious spirit. Um, I don't remember any symptoms of how they diagnosed this spirit. I think it was just like, this guy probably just figured out how to convince everybody with fear that uh, probably just regular things kids do or teenagers do, like, oh, they're rebellious. And you have to break their rebellious spirit. Break oh my it. gosh. Break I their spirit. Fucking hate that so much because I feel like that I feel like that's so prominent. And especially now that I'm a mom, 
I feel like I've gotten that for so long. Like, oh, well, you know, your son should act this way and he acts out or you let him be too opinionated about things or he's going to rebel because you don't whatever. And I'm like, this is a human person who is capable of having their own feelings, thoughts, actions on emotions. As parents, you should be teaching your children how to use things as strengths instead of completely taking them away from them and making them feel like they're, you know, don't fit in. Sorry, yeah, my rant. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's so right. It's so right. Like, uh, and, and it's just so sad. Like, can you imagine? Uh, I mean, we still do it. Uh, breaking wild horses, breaking a beautiful, magnificent creature spirit to, to break make it do what them. you want. Yeah, that's so sick, and that's exactly what they uh, wanted to do. And so there was these laid out techniques and it was called boot camp. And so, and I was part of my independent nature was that I decided at 10 years old, I was vegetarian and I was the only one in my family. I had no one supporting me. Like nobody in those days was vegetarian. I'm 34. It's like 24 years ago nobody was vegetarian like except real hippies from the 60s (laughs) who like never stopped being hippies those guys were vegetarian nobody else was and so nobody supported me but I was always like so independent and like yes this is what I want to do and I did it and um so that was like one of the things that was then in my mother's control I had to eat whatever she said I had to eat the amount she said I had to eat which was a fuck ton of meat. Um, I had to do devotionals, which is like praying and journaling uh, every day for an hour. Um, and then I had to be homeschooled and whatever. Oh, yeah. I couldn't talk to my siblings um, for the first six weeks. Couldn't speak to one single other human being on the planet. And then after this that, was all to cure your rebellious spirit, making forcing you to eat meat when you are not wanting to eat meat or talk yeah. to your siblings. That's all because you're so fucking rebellious. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love your mom so far. Let's keep going. <laughs> she is full of fear that it's so sad. Could you imagine how much fear someone has to have to do these things? It's I- wild. And, and that's like where it gets tricky, right? When you're working on your self-healing is you're like, oh, it must be difficult. Let me understand from your point of view. And then at the same time, it's like, you don't deserve my point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you are, everyone is welcome to, to feel however they want to feel. If you don't want to forgive, you don't have to, you don't have to, um, you can. And I, Every time I have, it's felt great, but there is no forcing forgiveness or compassion. If you try to, when you're not ready, that's a recipe for disaster. So if you want to be angry because you are justified in your anger, just be angry for as long as you need to. That's fine. So this lady, my mother, um, yes, (laughs) I was not allowed to speak to anybody. And then I could speak to them, my siblings only. 
in the same room as her on the phone. I couldn't have any privacy. Um, and then this is where I, when this all came crashing down on me, my this whole world changed. Um, I wanted to die. So I was 12 years old and just obsessing about suicide because I had nothing to do all day either except obsess about suicide and cry and weep, you know, cry out constantly like, what? why am I here? I don't want to be here. I just want this to end. I want to start over. And I would have killed myself in an instant except that every time I was close to really doing it, you know, the fear of like, I wasn't sure that I could um, come back. Like I had this instinct that I just wanted to start over, that this life sucked. I just wanted a new one. But I was so scared that like, what if I, there's no starting over? Like Uh, what if you don't get a new life after this? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, um, that, that did keep me here. So let's see. Oh, yeah. Well, I've talked about some of this in some other um, things I've shared on my um, page. So I don't know how, like, my life story is so long. So let me know (laughs) if you, there's anything you want to get into. I am fascinated, like, learning about you and what your story is. And then I eventually do want to end up where, like, we I get to know some of the things that you practice now and, like, what you do and and the positive part of how your life is changing. But I want to get us through the traumas that you've gone through and the ways that you started finding spirituality in that and ended up finding your personal freedom. Okay, so I'll kind of just do the highlights then. And if there's anything that interests you, then just totally feel free to to ask me any questions. Um, So I, let's see, I grew up a little bit. Oh, my mom moved me to the middle of nowhere. And I was actually betrothed to like, I was 15. And I was betrothed to a 20 year old dude. Like an arranged marriage? Yep. Like. Is that in the name of God? Yeah. Like instead of dating, we weren't allowed to date with, for the sake of dating. If you were going to date someone, you had to date with the intent to marry. Could you sleep with them first? No, we like held hands twice. We had to be supervised at all times. It was. See, you can't marry somebody if you don't test out their junk and know what you're working with. (laughs) I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I am under the mindset that I don't know if I like somebody until we've exchanged all the energy. Yeah. Uh, Like, like maybe I'll like you up to a certain extent, but then I got to try out the rest of this exchange, this energy exchange. Um, so, uh, yeah, but you know, everyone's different. That's not, uh, some people get freaked out when I tell them that, like, how do you know you like him if you didn't fuck? <laughs> well, it's safe to say it here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, no, so you I were was betrothed. 15. 
Betrothed to this guy. Then I left my mom, living with my mom, and I moved in with my dad so that I could go to regular high school. And in regular high school, um, I made friends. I mean, okay, where do I want to start? I was still neglected with my dad um, and still the super extreme rules I would be grounded for a month at a time all the time for any infraction a month a month a month like are you fucking serious I was grounded through birthdays oh my god I used to have to like do this thing well if he saw me leaving the house which was not often but if he saw me then he would be like okay lift your arms up to see if your midriff shows I wasn't allowed to wear anything. That, do you know how long your shirt has to be for your stomach not to show if you're like... Arms are in the air. Yeah. Like, what? It was crazy. Um, and wow. then he'd like take... I He'd sometimes give me a ride places, sometimes. And then I'd have to be home by a certain time. But then he wouldn't answer his phone to pick me up. So I'd have to like hitchhike home. And then I'd be grounded because i'm late it was just total it was just it was mine it was i don't even know how to describe it like the how that fucks with your mind to have rules that make no sense and caretakers that make no sense they get to make these arbitrary rules when they are not doing the other half of their responsibility which is caring for you and taking care of you like why do you get to make the rules and then you don't really know where where your line is of like depending on somebody else and depending on yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, cuz you're also told like that you're bad or you're incapable and then and then you end up in relationships like really sick codependent relationships where you're relying on people that aren't going to take care of you either. Yep. Yeah. So that that's what that led to exactly. Um, it was just like these fill in the blank boyfriends in my life. I just didn't want to be alone. And so I dated the first guy I met. I moved out when I was 17 so I could go do meth uh, in peace. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, you might want to do it in peace. Yeah. Like, can you guys just leave me alone? Um, so I moved to Reno. And I was a street punk. Oh, God. Not in Reno. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I heard that it was like, um, I heard that it was Squeaker Town. Or what did I hear it was? I thought there was a lot of, no, yes. I heard it was Tweaker Town. And I was like, great. There's going to be tons of meth. And when I moved there, I was like, oh, there's actually just a bunch of tweakers and not a lot of meth. You I mean, there hear is, a fun story but it's about, not uh, like just Reno like, and Tweakers. Yes, I would. <laughs> so my husband and I, a couple of years ago on our anniversary, um, we were driving from, I don't remember where we were going, but we drove through Reno and I think we were going, oh, I think we were going to Reno for our anniversary. Anyway, oh we saw um, these two Tweakers started yelling at each other. We were at a stoplight under an overpass. 
And um, these two tweakers started yelling at each other. And me, I'm like, oh, fucking show. And so (laughs) Brian's driving. I'm looking out the passenger window. And I'm like, holy fuck. And all of a sudden, one of them pulls out this big machete that was like, and he had had, I think he'd had it on the side of his leg, but I couldn't see it from being in the car because I don't have a panoramic view. I probably know this guy. Pulls out this machete and holds it up to the other guy's throat. Like right there with all the cars here, like everybody's like watching out their window. Not one of us jumped out because like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, Against a machete. No, no, no. Yeah. And your second amendment isn't honored in California. And Mm. um, so we were, we were just, uh, I guess it was Nevada, but either way. And um, yeah, I, he ended up, someone ended up like getting another tweaker, ended up getting in the middle, but they seriously had somebody like up on the bridge that was like a lookout scanning around. The friends were like, they're watching. It was crazy. Oh my God. I, I'm like a sick individual where like, I either would have been like fucking stoked to see somebody get decapitated (laughs) or... It would have like severely traumatized me, but I'm not really sure which one. So I mm-hmm. just go with like, I think it would have been fucking cool. <laughs> so let's get back to you. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I know that guy. Uh, there was this guy that used to carry around a machete all the time. His name was Molotov and he was uh, schizophrenic. Was he blonde? I, no. Mm-mm. This guy was, this guy was um, like, um, skinny, blonde, um, like hippy-dippy. Nope. Molotov was a dark-skinned individual uh, with, honestly, some of the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen, but the most insane, one of the most insane people I've ever met. Truly. So, okay, so I'm <laughs> friends with him. He's one of the street punks. Actually, he's the first person I met. I met him on the bus. And then he in- introduced me to all the other punks and down by the river where we would hang out every day. And I'd ask for bum change from people. I'd buy everybody food. I used to like flash my tits for a dollar or just for fun at old people. Uh, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Then, you know, I'm not really having a great time because my boyfriend is 300 pounds and 6'4 and abusive. And I am like 90 pounds and 5'2 and also abusive. I was abusive as well. I own that. Um, But uh, he was so much bigger than me. And so when we would fight because he would like steal all my shit and I'd have like three jobs and beg for change and, you know, buy all the drugs uh, and flirt with the drug dealers. Like everything's me, you fucking lazy piece of shit. He'd also steal my stuff, sell it, cheat on me. He was horrible. And so when we'd fight, he would sometimes, like, sit on my chest, and I would scream at the top of my lungs because I would – I didn't care if I died, but I wanted him jail for the rest of his life if he killed me. Like, I wanted him to get caught. So I would scream 
bloody murder to make sure that every like somebody would catch him killing me um yeah and I really did not care if I lived or died at all god um and so this is a time one of the times that I had stolen um something like a gift that my dad had given me years ago that it was a an iPod like the first iPod and because I'd always been so poor my whole life like I valued things more than I should have like I didn't even use it I kept it in a box it was like too special for me to even use and so I had taken such good care of it and like couldn't believe my dad spent that money that he didn't have for this for me and this motherfucker pawned it or traded it and that was like the last straw and I barricaded myself in this little apartment and you couldn't even call it that and then proceeded to take my whole pill collection and um yeah at one point I like crawled out of the apartment and laid in on the ground in the parking lot next door and I'm not sure if I would like puke on me or if I puked or wanted to puke but I did not look good I was dying And I remember I looked up and this couple was walking to their car and like just looked at me like, and (sighs) walked around me and didn't call for help. They didn't see if that was okay. They didn't call for help. And so I like everything, this whole memory is like, you know, just very delirious but I remember I crawled back across the street and back to my apartment and was kind of just shocked that like uh, human beings could just do that like that was a whole nother they didn't know who I am I I could have been a lovely person that was dying (laughs) (laughs) you were a lovely person that was dying they just walked around me that was a very shocking moment. So I go on to date my stalker next. And was he's he a stalker that... when you dated him or he turned into a stalker afterwards? He stalked me before I dated him. Awesome. Not and a great choice, but I'm that's how I met him. I mean, it's very flattering to have someone pay that much attention to you. Hello. How old were you? At the when I tried to kill myself, I was like 17, 18. Uh, with the stalker, I was 18, 19, 20. Oh, yeah. So that's still the like, but somebody loves me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I just had to get in your mental mind frame. Yeah. I just wanted anybody. Um, and he was my drug dealer. Awesome. So- He worked for the Hells Angels, (laughs) also not good. And so my, I worked for him also. So I had like a bunch of IDs and I would buy ingredients for meth and give it to him. And I would rob houses for him. You were like Jesse Pinkerton. Yeah. Breaking Bad was hard for me to watch um, for a while. Like I didn't, definitely didn't watch it when it first came out. Totally. 
Okay. But so I you're mean, in a relationship. Breaking bad gets like way more insane than my life ever did. But in the beginning, it was really like Sons of Anarchy meets Breaking Bad and uh, SLC punks. <laughs> yeah. And that has to be like, because so I know how the biker scene is. And I know that once you are affiliated with somebody, they uh-huh. make you feel like your family, so you feel like you belong somewhere. Well, is that not how so you much felt? for me. I was someone's old lady at, uh, at 19, <laughs> but that meant I was his property, and I could yes. never leave. And when I did try to leave, they sent uh, someone else after me. I wasn't allowed to know anyone's real names, so they sent whiskey after me. And um, I had to stay in a women's shelter. And uh, yeah, and then the boss of the whole operation, his name was Management, wasn't allowed to know his real name, but I did. I think I forgot it. Sometimes I try to see if I can remember it, but I have no one to verify it with. I'm like, I think it was this, but right. you know. So yeah, no one needs so to tell me. So whiskey came after you. Whiskey came after me. Yeah. So my ex, like, okay, really, it's the fault of the United States Postal Service. They are not doing any favors <laughs> for abused women who are trying to get out. Oh, no. If you if you do a change of address form, they mail your they mail a letter to your old address with your new address on it, which I did not know. I didn't know that. I just changed my address. Well, they fucking do. And so he had my new address, which was, I think, my best friend's house at the time uh, and in Vegas, because I went back to Vegas for rehab. And um, so my ex, because he's a psycho stalker, he's dead now, so he was a psycho stalker, he would text her her own address over and over and over and over again. And he did a lot of magic. Um, He's the one that taught me to introduce me to magic. Cause again, he wouldn't teach me anything that could empower me. Right. He was, he wanted me to learn magic, but he didn't at the same time. He was very torn about it. Um, he'd get like really paranoid. He was also a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, so yeah, so he did a lot of magic to keep me and to punish people who he believed took me away from him. And, um, luckily because he, I have some entities that I work with now, um, who I know now, but have always been with me. Uh, and who he also knew, they he was not allowed to do those things to the people around me because this these decisions that I made were in my soul contract. I would say like these things yeah. had to happen. I had to leave that situation. I had to take this other path, and he was trying to interfere with that and he was punished for that for sure and also the amount of energy that it took for him to come up with those curses and the negativity he had to channel like all that hatred and pain he had to channel um 
that kind of ended up killing him. So he was kind of dying. He was dying already. Um, but he just kept on like not dying. Like he should have died right in the beginning. He had MRSA in his blood, which you die instantly with that. He um, then he had like all these other things in his blood that he shouldn't live through. And he just kept on living like he was in and out of the ICU and with blood transfusions for years uh, up until the point that we broke up. And uh, and so then when I left and he did cursed everybody, he went back to the hospital and was dying Somehow he made it out. And then um, I think he did it again a few years later. And that sent him in the hospital again. And so eventually it just killed him. But, you know, it's possible he would have lived if he hadn't have kept trying to curse me. Oh. Yeah. And he continued to stalk me even after he died for a little while. Like he didn't get enough in this lifetime. Yeah, so, I would like see him around. Like it was weird. I hate that. Uh-huh. The creepy ones always linger. It's the weirdest shit. I have um, an ex that I that I was in an abusive relationship with, who was um, big like your ex was, uh-huh. and. Um, I left him and had to move to Montana and where my birth dad is, um, uh-huh. who's a biker. And um, I felt more safe there. And he followed me to Montana. I had to go to a uh, women's shelter as well. I got free wow. counseling with them. I got free legal with them. Um, he was just arrested a couple years ago. I saw it on Facebook for um, kidnapping and imprisoning a, a uh teenager and sexually assaulting her for days and yeah and this person um he's not dead I I mean I I won't wish that but um he is rotting in prison and I get random visitations and things like that with just his energy or things coming up that like I know he's doing because I still have that you know there's still like a thread to everybody that you have a intimate relationship connection with in life and it's you know when you don't have full healing from things things come back and haunt you and I don't have full healing from that no matter how hard I try I cannot imagine what the amount just the different sorts of strength it would take me to to be on the path I am now as a high priestess out in the open as a teacher look for him um because I spent so many years hiding I didn't have social media for a long long time uh and like to have a abuser stalker X still around and you are trying to be this empowered public person like it it would be there would be so many more obstacles here that I'm so glad I don't have to overcome and I feel very sorry for anyone who does like I can imagine how hard that would be like you know it's it's 
pretty great that your ex is in prison because it's like, great, he's not going to be, he's not stalking you online. He's not stalking you in person. He can think about you, but that's about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, I didn't know that he had moved to Idaho and he, I found out about his arrest right when we had decided to move to Idaho. Mm. And so in that moment, finding that out, I mean, it was literally, I think that my husband and I had come to that decision the night before. And then I saw that on Facebook and I saw that and I threw up and I was so upset. But then I Mm. also was like, oh, like this is, I firmly believe that you get things thrown onto your path to see if you're going to give up on what your, what your purpose is or if you're going to see it through and learn things from that situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that it happened for a reason and I had to, there are still emotions that like I have to go through and there's a reason behind it. I just don't know what it is. Well, I'm seeing you like taking back this space. It's your space now. You're dominating that area. He's not. He's a prisoner somewhere. And now you get to like mark your territory, even though um, it that may be hard, but it, this is like a challenge of you being able to um, to claim that space for your own. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Yes. All right. So your creepy abuser guy, he what happened after? So he was trying to hex you make things happen your spirit team was like not fucking today Mm -hmm. and and they were actually like we had the same spirit team um but he would get in so much trouble all the time for yeah trying to just for everything that he did he got in a lot of trouble all the time even when i was with him or before him he would tell me like oh yeah i'm not allowed to do this for a while do you ever think that you're that you guys having the same spirit team that they brought you two together so that he would introduce you to them in that realm so that then you learned lessons that you needed to learn with your soul contract and move on? Yeah, you know, I believe that I may remember him from before here. So this is my first life. And I remember volunteering. Um, And I remember this many, many, many years ago when I was young. Uh, And up until recently, I had never heard of other people having this experience. I did not know this was a thing. And I found this woman named Dolores Cannon, and she's pretty famous um, in the channeling world and in the, I guess, kind of like all sorts of people like her, but. And she's like channeling uh, or she puts people under hypnosis and they channel through the hypnosis. She puts them like extra deep, like a few levels deeper than you're normally supposed to put people. Past life Uh, regression? No, just under hypnosis. Hmm. And uh, her and her husband were kind of like doing this as an experiment and this is what happened. And then they just kept doing it for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, 50. I don't know. They did it forever. And she was super old when she died and she was still doing it. Uh, she just died recently. So 
when and like all these entities come through and it'll be like these people her clients will have never met each other and let's say uh, an entity named um, John comes through he's like a Pleiadian his name's John he introduces himself and he's talking through person A then that session's over and then she goes to a different state has another client she's flying all over the place and she puts this client under and then uh, here's John again and picking up right where he left off from person A under hypnosis so there's no way that these people like that that these people could have communicated they don't remember what they're saying and their voice changes from when they are just uh speaking as themselves versus when an entity comes through them it's incredible and so in these sessions there's the same things that the entities want to tell her over and over again and one of the things is about the volunteers apparently there was like this call out to the universe out yeah all over the place and everybody heard the call and it was uh for volunteers to come to earth because earth is like stuck in this negative karmic cycle like people aren't learning their lessons they're just staying fucked up and I can totally see that I can definitely see that and I'm very skeptical about most things I hear information and I just let it sit in my mind and if I come across more experiences or more information I'll say oh that you know kind of connects with this thing And I'm just a collector and gatherer of information. I try not to draw too many conclusions unless I've had a lot of strong evidence and my own experience with it. Right. So this is like very interesting because I have my own memories of this. And... I volunteered to come to Earth. I remember um, kind of like being told that there was a war, some sort of, there's like spiritual warfare and there was some entity who I believe is Jehovah who wanted to keep people in this negative karmic cycle. He like, he likes it. And I think he's like some sort of parasitic broken being who needs this negative energy right um and uh and i was told don't come it's going to hurt really bad like i there was all these other volunteers and that was fine for them to come but whoever whatever i was up there i wasn't supposed to ever come here and i was told don't do it it's gonna hurt really 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 bad don't do it and i said no I'm going to, so I'm here to help the helpers, I believe. And um, that's why I really love just teaching principles. Like right now what I'm sharing is like very, very personal beliefs and experiences. And nobody has to believe anything I'm saying. Um, Because there's no way you can verify this for yourself. What I love teaching is principles that 
anybody can use and build off of. Yeah. And that's, by the way, like, that's the entire point of like, the podcast is everybody's not going to have the same opinion. Everybody's not going to believe in the same purposes or the same things, but everybody is valid in what they believe and how they practice. And Mm -hmm. I want all of those voices, no matter how fucking crazy it might sound to somebody else, somebody else is going to listen to this and be like, oh my fucking God, that's the memory I have. Yeah, maybe. We never shared it. I didn't talk about it. I maybe told two other people in my whole life because it was like, this is, I, for me, this is the truest of truths for me. But, but if you say it out loud, I know it sounds absolutely fucking insane. And I practice magic. And, but this <laughs> to me is like, all right, that's a little fucking weird. Um, uh, and I don't expect anyone else to have to, to be able to relate to that. But then I heard there were other volunteers who had the same memories and, and yeah, it's empowered me to be like, Hey man, this is my story. Okay. I'll guess I'll share it. Cause I guess I'm not alone. Yeah. We're the same kind of alien, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I love yeah. that so much. And I I understand that. Um, and I haven't ever shared this except for with the one friend this is about. But I want to do a past life regression so bad because just mm-hmm. like you have like a, a core memory of something before, I have core mm-hmm. clip memories of I know for sure two other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And... I know um, this one friend that I have in my life. I know that we have the same um, clip memories from different perspectives together. And Mm. we've been like, oh, how cool would it be to do like a past life regression separately and then like find out what our journeys were and how they went together? Yeah. Yes. You should definitely do that. I know someone who does um, past life regression and she – uh, has done hypnotherapy with me and we've done trauma work. And then she also took me up to my Akashic records. Uh, so she's amazing. Um, if you, if, unless you have somebody else in mind, but whatever, yeah, drop you're welcome me that, to just drop me that out. info afterwards. <clears throat> I would love to do some research and, and look into her. Yeah. And like, so this is all kind of like out of the realm of things i typically like to talk about again because it's like unverifiable like I guess it is verifiable in your own personal experience but um it is hypothesized that we (laughs) I just think magic is so much more scientific than these sort of topics that we're talking about you know what I mean yeah but those other topics because they're scientific they get talked about all the time and people can like look that up and and true see different things about it whereas the stuff that you're saying here is like probably the first time that so many people are hearing about it true true so here's what I was gonna say which was um that yeah it's hypothesized that people may be incarnating in soul families in soul groups and um you just keep uh, incarnating together in different roles to teach each other lessons that you asked for. And these stories, if you look at like, um, 
maybe like near-death experience stories, which I love, or uh, there are lots of videos on YouTube of kids uh, remembering their past lives because mm-hmm. uh, they forget it as they get older, but when they're little, they remember and they'll just start talking about it, um, like saying addresses and different people's names. And so if you kind of, um, if any of you are interested to do research on this and try to verify what I'm saying, those are some places to look at examples of people's um, uh, experiences, like memories from when they're not here or before here. Um, Yeah, it'll be like the same people over and over again that... And it's very useful. This information is useful to to use as a working paradigm because it really helps you understand, um, like, it helps you rise above the the matrix here. And down here, everything's like all the your emotions are so real and so big and so heavy. And when somebody hurts you, it's or when there's injustice, like those things are real. But when you're able to like access um, your a perspective that's above that, you're really able to uh, to like not focus on the problem and just be like, oh, okay, you're a character in my play, and. And I wanted to learn, this is like a great opportunity for me to learn whatever it is, forgiveness or some, some amazing characteristic trait that now you get to learn. Um, and it's just so much easier to, I don't know, just get out of the mud of it. Yeah, I get that. Um, and things that like you, how do I, how do I say what I'm trying to say? I think that there's experiences that um, you go through when you are reincarnating with past, you know, soul cycles and like groups of people and whatnot, and you're in different situations. I think that the things that you guys go through in that lifetime and in that moment, traumas and whatnot, or arguments that you have, I think that Mm -hmm. those do end up carrying with you onto the next time. Um, Yeah. And and specifically, I like totally believe that I was my mom's parent in a past life. Mm, yeah, I believe and, that. If you believe that, that's that can and, happen. Yeah, I I one hundred percent believe that. And I, in this life, I've had to learn how to um, let my mom be her own individual person and find herself, however that works for her, even if it which sounds so weird coming from like the child, but it's always been difficult for me to like, to let her be the parent, to let her be the parent and to like respect her, her choices on things and like her personality being different than mine. Mm -hmm. And I always equated it to, well, my mom had me when she was so young that like we raised each other and whatever. And I'm like, no, like I, I remember having to raise my mother and teach her, you know, how to conduct herself in certain things. And then in this <laughs> lifetime being like, what the fuck, Pamela? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I believe that um, 
I didn't even the, the trauma continued in my life um, well after I went to rehab uh, up until recently. And I believe that I because I haven't had any other lives, um, but I do have like ancestral trauma in my DNA. Um, but I don't have any of my own trauma in my DNA from past lives that that could be a reason why my life was so traumatic. Um, because if I came here to be a teacher to help the helpers, then I'm going to have to have some wisdom. And so you only gain wisdom through like knowledge plus experience. Um, and so I had to go through all of this uh, to, to be the person that I signed up to be when I wanted to come here, when I volunteered. Yes. And it makes it a lot easier to, to heal the trauma. Because actually I have to go in like one minute because I have trauma therapy <laughs> starting <laughs> EMDR, which is awesome, by the way. Um, after all these years of like talk therapy, EMDR is fucking awesome. Oh, okay. I'll look into yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so it just makes it so much easier to, to, I don't know, to stop holding on to resentment and just be like, it is what it is. And this is where we are. And what are we going to do about it now with what we right. have? So, and I'm not the expert on this stuff by any means because I am a medium, um, but I, and not gifted like so many other people out there. I mean, not so many. There's, there's, I only know a few, but they are amazing. And I'm not at that level. Um, my gifts, I feel like I've just worked really, really fucking hard for. I just wanted to be, I made a deal with my spirit teacher and I said, I want clear clairvoyance and clear clairaudience. I don't want to be fucking around and wondering what I'm supposed to do and what, what are you trying to say to me and trying to read the signs. Like, I want to hear clearly. Um, so this was part of my arrangement with him to teach me uh, what he's taught me. Um, and so he's one of the entities that we were talking about that uh, my ex worked with as yes. well. So he, um, he'd been like following me for all of these years. And I always was like, get away from me. You are a spy. You work with my ex who's my stalker. So you're mm. probably spying on me, trying to uh, give him know. information to hurt you. Yeah. So I really rejected him um, for a long time. And eventually, you know, years and years are going by, he won't leave me alone. And every once in a while, I'd pick up the tarot and be like, what do you want? And he would always say, I want you to be great. And uh, then finally years later I had been beaten down so much by so many adversarial people that I really wanted to beat them 
And I needed to train and to empower myself. uh, And they were my goal. They were the stone that I was going to sharpen my sword against. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to be great. Uh, Let's fucking do this. So I made an agreement with him. It was like, what do you want from me? He wants me to be great. All right. He wants to teach me stuff. I mean, and the thing is, like, I think with most entities and spirit teachers, they're not, like, super selfish. Usually they want you to be the best you can be. They want to empower you. And, you know, maybe you're going to do stuff for them in the future. But it's usually really, like, (laughs) win-win for you. So I have to be great. And he has to give me clear voyance and clear audience and some other things that I asked for and the cool thing is is that he um I don't know if it's like this with everybody with their gifts or abilities but nothing was ever handed to me he would just showed me like all right you want clear clairvoyance and clear clear audience and he showed me how to do it and he gave me instructions every day i did um my training my warrior training I call it and that's how I teach my students as well is uh oh my god how did I just lose my train of thought <laughs> of a sentence <laughs> uh your your warrior training yeah I just don't know where I was gonna end that sentence um oh. so okay <laughs> so he so it's basically like oh yeah that's what I want to say Kill Bill. I always um, picture like when Uma Thurman is training with the the old uh, ninja guy with the beard. I've never seen seen, Kill Bill. I've never seen Kill Bill, but I know what the general like (sighs) realm. Please do yourself a favor and watch (laughs) Kill Bill, the best movies of all time. I think that I tried to watch Kill Bill, and I think that it starts out with her like getting her ass kicked in the beginning. And oh yeah, I mean they're both getting their ass kicked, but yeah. And I, I, I don't fully remember. I just it was years ago that I tried watching it, and it was too much for me in the moment. So I need to circle back around, I guess. Yeah, because also if you watch the rest of that fight scene, they're both badass women beating the shit out of each other and nobody wins uh i mean somebody does win but um yeah okay but but just the fight fight scene uh it's like they are beating the shit out of each other (laughs) sweet okay yeah and it's all about vengeance which that's what i was a big motivator for me So, like, that's what we were talking about before. Like, if you got to stay in those feelings, whatever they are, the anger, whatever, and use it as motivation to grow, like, do it. I was never told that I need to forgive. I need to, like, be a nicer person. I It was like, you are full of anger and pain. Okay, use it. You want revenge? Okay, use that as motivation. You want to conquer these people who have harmed you? All right, let's use that. And then eventually, I've when I've 
built when I got strong enough to do it. Yes, I have done things, but to those people, um, magically, but mostly the more time that's gone on and the more I've grown and the stronger I am and the more capable I am of harming others, Mm -hmm. I end up choosing not to. Just like how, um, you know, people who do martial arts, they're not just out there on the streets, like, kicking everyone's ass just because they can. It's usually, you know, they learn how to be more, how to solve things peacefully, um, nonviolent, with nonviolent means, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that goes in with uh, the people who start practicing and are like, I'm going to just hex people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, a lot goes into that for one. So like using that energy on multiple people, I feel like is just bringing it right back around to you. But then also like, let's learn real life coping skills. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Real life coping (laughs) skills. Love that. Yeah, because it's not worth it. You can maybe kick everyone's ass you meet, but you're going to also be beat the fuck up also. Like in a knife fight, both people are cut up. And, you know, like, you're not getting out of there unscathed. You have to bring violence into your life if you want to fight violently. And is that worth it to you? Because I am in a place now where my vengeance is my peace and happiness. And, like, I didn't achieve it just so I could be like, ha ha motherfuckers like because then I wouldn't really be happy if I actually gave a shit anymore it just works out like that and it's like I'm so happy you are an ant you are a tiny (laughs) insignificant ant and you like aren't worth any of my energy any of my happiness why would I I worked hard for this absolutely yeah Absolutely. And yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Sorry, I got got something in my eye. Oh, no. It's the worst. (laughs) I'm like, awkward pause. My eye is burning. (laughs) Oh, God. I have like cats with the finest hair, like the most invisible hair. And it is always in my eyes and stuck on my face. If you ever see me doing like lives or anything recorded, there's it's either flies buzzing around my head because of um, certain entities I work with, or and because I live like in nature, and me like <laughs> trying to find the cat hairs on my face. Oh, yeah, it's real. I've got two cats. Um, when you're talking about entities, is that what some people refer to as their deities? Yeah, so... Is there a difference? No, I just use entity as, like, a very broad term. I mean any being. By entity, it could be a ghost. So it could be someone's... A dead person. It could be someone's higher self. It could be guides. It could be gods. It could be demons. Whatever that means. Because everyone has different uh, definitions of that word. So... Because I find the some of these words 
meaningless because there isn't a, an agreed upon definition yeah. and because there are so many beings that exist or angels too like you know all sorts of things i just say entity because who gives a fuck what i'm talking about <laughs> it's, a, it's something that's not here physically <laughs> yeah somebody no, i i just wanted to break that down because i do have um people who listen who really the only um place that they've been able to find information is like finding people on social media like TikToks or whatever and Mm -hmm. that have educated themselves only through that and I am asking them to like expand themselves beyond that like knowledge and that limitation and so um if they hear entity I just want to be able to correlate that with like in this specific situation this is what you mean no, that is great. It is always good to define terms, um, no matter what level of uh, practitioner you're speaking to. Like, we should always be defining our terms because people have very different um, definitions for common terms, like I said, like demons. Um, yeah. I have a, a great post about this. Uh, you know, demon has was came from the word daemon or diamond and this was like an entity that was kind of more like a guide and then you know a lot of things became demonized over the years which just means like the christian church made everything bad and evil yep um so uh, even growing up like a real life example my mother told me okay, you have guardian angel because it says that in the Bible and she can't argue that, but do not talk to it because you could be talking to anything because, and anything like you're only allowed to speak to God and anything else is evil basically. So yeah, so everything's been demonized um, and many gods were uh, named demons. They, their title was changed to demon and yeah, the word demon became a bad thing. These gods became these evil entities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have actually taken on some of the characteristics of uh, their these, these imagined attributes because humans, we, we are creators also. We create this reality that we live in. So we can actually create our own beings, and these are called thought forms or servitors or egregors or tulpas. There's many different names in different um, uh, paths, I guess, or cultures. And But they are also, uh, most of the, those terms are all, all refer to slightly different things, but we don't have to get into that necessarily. <laughs> um. But yeah, we have creative creation power. And so if we believe something is true, it is true to some extent. So um, so that's how like some of these beings have changed over the years. And they they might maybe there's like some aspect of them that is their true old self. And then there is an aspect that you may be able to access that is their man given uh, self, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I get that. So, like, Beelzebub was called Lord of the Flies. And so he uh, often appears to people as a fly. And if you see a fly and you're like, you're not just a fly. You are definitely watching me. And I I feel a lot of energy coming from you. That's probably Beelzebub. Um, And so he's been able to, like, take on this characteristic. For me, he's more just like, okay, fuck it. I'll be Lord of the Flies. Like, I don't give a shit. You can try to insult me, um, but I'm just going to go with it and use it as as a strength right now he's got control of the flies all right cool <laughs> like, i wasn't even gonna venture down that but if that's what you want i'm here for it yeah this is pretty cool <laughs> see i don't i i always have been very confused about like my spirit team if you will mm-hmm. um because i i know the messages that i get i know when um, I'm being spoken to by positive and negative. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like, oh, I'm getting that from like my personal spirit team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you could always use a pendulum to ask who's talking to me. I have yet to get myself a pendulum. Well, girl, I sell them. <laughs> you posted some the other day, and I commented um, the rose quartz one, and then uh, oh, it was near the end of the slide, and I can't think of what it is right now. But um, I'll have to look at it and reach out to you because I'll definitely need to get one. Yeah, the, my new um, designs are like huge because I—that's just what I like. Uh, but I know people want some more simple stuff. I'm so, not a simple kind of girl. Uh, yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> I'm like, really? Why would why when you could have this giant chain? No, I want it big and gaudy. Rock. Yeah, exactly. So um, how do you? I thought that pendulums were yes and no type questions. Yeah. So the art is with all divination is asking the right questions. So it's pretty cool with a pendulum because you are a detective uh first you're gonna ask questions in very broad strokes so you can kind of create this outer perimeter because with divination what you're doing is you are like looking down into um okay it's like looking into the pensieve in harry potter like you're looking down into this uh, this truth, this story, this reality, and you're gathering information and you're trying to paint a picture. And tarot cards paint a better picture, obviously, because they are made of pictures and they're much more complex. And so right. those brush strokes are so much bigger. Um, but the pendulum, I actually use tarot and pendulum together and I teach my students uh, in my divination class to use them together because the pendulum is really creating this outer perimeter of your perspective of what we're looking at here or what you're being told whoever it is what what are they trying to tell you and what are they talking about so you can ask really broad questions like have you ever played that game i don't know the number what like 21 Ouija- questions. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about no. a Ouija board. <laughs> I'm like, nope, I haven't fucked with that. Um, 
No, it's, I, it's called like I, 20, 21 questions or something. You have like a certain number of questions you can ask to get to, uh, to the, what the person's thinking about. Yeah, I've played 21 questions when I'm flirting with somebody. Okay, so it's like that. So you're like, is it an object? Is it a thing? You know, you're asking like really broad questions and then you're going to narrow it down. Otherwise, you're going to be there all fucking day if you're just asking like really specific questions and you're going to be get lost and maybe your pendulum's just going to stand still because it's going to be like, you are not asking the right question. (laughs) But that's that's usually what that means for me when it just doesn't move. It's like, uh, oh, this is not the way. <laughs> not the way. Huh. Okay. I'm learning something new. Yeah. So you can paint a picture and get a lot of good information from the pendulum by itself. And it is useful for a lot of things when you don't need a whole picture painted. I love this conversation. I feel like I'm being <laughs> so educated right now. <laughs> I love divination and I love tarot. It's, it's like, I don't know. It brings me so much fulfillment. It makes me happier than anything else. I love it. You know what I love about tarot is I love that everybody reads it differently and you can mm-hmm. have the exact same cards pulled for somebody and the way that you're going to read them and interpret them is going to be completely different than how somebody else would. But I feel yeah. like it all just like the reading just depends on the person's energy that like you're tapped into, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes it can get confusing, like, or maybe I just confuse myself um, <laughs> because, you know, a lot of times. Well, this is a really good example. The devil card for me does not mean bondage and uh, addiction and things like that. I'm being stuck. But it does mean that sometimes when I pull it for other people. So this can be really tricky um, for me to like, because I read for myself. I've read for myself more than I've read for other people. Even though I've been a professional tarot reader for like nine years, I've been reading for myself for 15 years or something. I don't remember. But, and I read for myself more often than I read for other people. Uh, but, But a lot of people don't. A lot of people read for other people more often. Yeah, me. So, yeah. So you, so it's just a language and a language is just an agreement of meanings. And so as you build your relationship with your tarot cards, you're, you're learning the agreement. You're building an agreement um, uh, between you and your cards. And you're establishing what these things mean. And those things can change as you change and grow into a different person. Your experiences. But yeah, that's why it's like, I tell my students, like, you're never going to stop learning tarot. And that isn't scary. It's beautiful. It's a relationship that you, a a lifelong relationship. And you never stop learning and growing in a relationship. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also, to go back to, like, the devil 
a majority of the time, and it also depends because I have different decks, and I feel like there's energy in different decks that like contribute to the meaning specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I always take the devil as being um the thing that like look good, like looks good to you and is temporary like fulfillment and things, but is just um but is just uh like an illusion, if you will. Um and mm-hmm. I and I think of it that way because I always everybody always says like oh the devil's a trickster and like it's always what looks good to you um, but it's never anything that ends up like actually satisfying and fulfilling you and then how mm-hmm. that skews all depends on what other cards are in there with you but that is what the devil always makes me think of it's never like directly like bondage right. Yeah, there's so many amazing ways to read this card. This is, to me, one of the most complex cards of the deck because of all of the, um, our, like, religion and society, like, all these other meanings of this word and this, um, what's the word? Uh, Dang it. Uh, Archetypes. There you go. It's an archetype that is so complex. So for me, <clears throat> I am friends with demons or beings that have been demonized and called demons, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm not afraid of that word. So I just say I'm, I'm friends with demons. So usually this card means friend, uh, an entity, you know what I mean? And other times it could mean, um, yeah, like being stuck in a situation or it could mean earthly pleasures because the church believes that anything that's of the earth was evil. Your body's evil, pleasure is evil, sex is evil, but all of these things are not evil. They're good. So is it, um, are you, is it talking about? being in bondage to earthly pleasures to your own detriment and destruction or is it about maybe um like going against the status quo against what uh the like christian church and and our society mostly believes and you like going on your own path and maybe you know, that's like why the left-hand path has a name as it does, is it's like going against um, organized religion, but it's not evil. It's doing your own thing. So it's so complex and so cool, this card. I love the devil card. I like the devil card also. I'm like, I'm hey, really- buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. How you doing, friend? <laughs> I'm really loving this Dark Goddess um, Oracle deck that I got, um, and I've been wanting I've been wanting new cards for a little while, and I I'm so these are the first cards that I've ever gotten my own self. My other cards have been gifted to me. I'm googling um, them right now. <laughs> dar- yeah, they're Dark Goddess Oracle cards designed by Kate Osborne. And these are cool. It's like uh, the Morrigan. No, who is that on the front? Is that an owl? Um, yeah, I don't think that it's the Morrigan um, in that photo. Um, oh, no, wait. Well, who's it designed by? Kate what? 
by Kate Osborne. So the name on the front says, it says Barbara Miko oh, yeah. John Free. Um, I'm going to actually, I'm looking through right now to see if I can. That's what I see. Figure out who that is because. Um, Ooh, the high, pr- I think the high priestess is the Morgan Respite. It's a woman sitting in a throne. Oh, Nick's Respite. It's not the Morgan. Very cool though. She has a bunch of crows around her. Yeah, it's like there are goddesses in here that I um, that I'd never even heard of before. So I heard a cool story from my uh, stalker ex about the <laughs> goddess Nyx. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he uh, was very very close to Hecate, and and that's um, Gaia on the front, by the way, and she's for uh, creation. Okay, I couldn't see very well. I didn't click on it. Um. Wow. Okay. So he told me, and even though I said a lot of bad stuff about him, um, he also he wasn't all bad. There, it was like two people. It was like two different people. There was the psycho person, and then there was this deeply spiritual, sensitive person that I loved very deeply. I loved that person, and um. And he had a lot to offer and a lot to teach. And he was very wise. He just was very traumatized in his life. Yeah. And uh, that led to the paranoid schizophrenia, which made him behave in crazy ways. So anyways, his story, just so you don't disregard it, because it's him who told me about it, was that the goddess, uh, that Nick's, was made by Hikate. And Hikate being only the second being in existence. First there was chaos. And then there was darkness. And that's Hikate. And then Hikate made other beings. And one of them was Nyx. And Nyx, I believe, was probably the first one that she made. And Nyx had kept maybe incarnating or... um in some way lived so many different lives and experienced so many different things that the only thing she never experienced was non-existence. And so because she had done been such a faithful um, servant, I guess, to Hikate, that uh, Hikate said, like, you can ask me anything you want for your service. And she asked that to what would it be like to not exist? And um, it was like heartbreaking, but because she had promised a, whatever gift that, you know, Nix wanted, she said, okay. And um, so in this story, Nix actually does not exist anymore. Oh, interesting. I thought that was so beautiful. And then I think it's weird. You know, I've never worked with Nick, so I don't know if she's really still around. Um, But I love that story so much. I've never, um, I mean, obviously I don't work with anybody um, (laughs) that I know, like, outright. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know that I had um, Lilith on a couple weeks ago who works with, um, she said that she worked with Nick's. So, and in some energy realm, there's energy mm. there going around still. Very cool. 
Uh, yeah, I wonder, I'd like to ask her what her opinion on that story is. <clears throat> I would too. Um, you and Lilith are both, um, like I said, just give me like dark goddess vibes, like just very, I, I just, you both just like captivate me. I think Aww. that women who embrace so women who like embrace sexuality and like being exactly who you are and um like being comfortable with speaking on like dark energies and embracing embracing that in who you are um mm-hmm. and being comfortable with that i i find that very comfortable because i feel like I was never accepted for being that way. And so I have always ended up in my life being around people who were like, well, that's not okay. And that's not all right. And then me empowering other people to be like, no, it's fine. Um, Yeah. And it isn't until recently when we have like, thank goodness for social media, because it isn't until recently when I've been able to find other women that have that energy that I'm like, oh, like, no, this is what I want to be around. This is very, I find it very comforting. And a lot of us have come from that very strict um, religious background of you're not allowed to like freely express yourself. And I almost feel like there's this rebellious, like I will be the complete opposite of that. Fuck you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely did that. Like that's what my life was about for a long time as a street punk was just... I call it my art piece of this is what you created. Fuck you. I hope it freaks you out and scares you. Yeah. Um, but then getting sober, I gave that up because I, that was, you know, my old identity. And it took a really long time, really long time to figure out who I am. And like, even, um, I stopped even doing making art and being creative because that was part of my using do drugs and make things. And so that was actually like very triggering for me for a while to like, I couldn't sew, I couldn't paint, I couldn't do that because it would just like trigger um, my the person that I used to be and I didn't want to be her anymore. Um, so that journey of like, finding myself again and then you know stepping out of the box again but in a healthy way it it's it's been a very slow journey and luckily there's been people who have come before me and I don't have many examples of like there isn't somebody who's exactly who I want to be but there are women who I can look up to who I'm like oh I like this about you and that's such a great example. And then this person over here, because like, I don't know any high priestesses who do what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to say what it is, but I'm going to do things that have never been done before. I've never seen an example because we're not like, you know, witches aren't out in the mainstream still the way that I want to be. Agreed. In the way that I'm going to be. Um, but there are strong women who have come before us and we can look to. And being yourself is a service to other people because 
like like you said like you find it inspiring um to watch that in others and so do i and then so on and so forth uh and it's scary at first i will say that like being scared is normal because our innate uh instinct is to is to survive and the reason why we all have a fear of rejection is because if we are rejected from the herd then we will die we cannot survive out in nature alone um i mean like you know historically speaking right our body does everything it can to keep us accepted in our community and part of our herd so um that fear of rejection and fear of abandonment is and that fear of not being loved is truly a fear of death it is serious and it's real and it's like nothing to feel ashamed about it is a deep-seated primal fear and working on that slowly and knowing like that's the story my body's telling me but what's the truth the truth is i'm safe i can take care of me and i'm gonna be okay and that there i have people around me who love and accept me and i'm okay and that's the true story you have to tell yourself. Yeah. That, yeah. And I feel like figuring out how to um, actually like be yourself and be your own person is what the first step on like my spiritual path was. And once I got comfortable with no, this is like the things that I emulate and the person that I am and the person that I want to be. I feel like that is when doors mm-hmm. spiritually started opening because then I was able to assess what kinds of things do I need to heal in order to be this this better version of myself and this way that I want to be seen. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like a really good... Um tool that I've found is to visualize exactly who your dream self is like in your wildest dreams who do you wish you could be and picture that person all the time clearly how how do they talk what do they dress like how do they hold their body what sort of things did they say where do they go what do they read what do they eat you know everything and make that person so real that you can sense everything about them and then act how they would act. When you like when when a situation comes up, you're like, okay, how would they what would they do? And that's you. That's so funny that you say that because I was I I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or if I did it on my socials, but I had a conversation where mm-hmm. I said that I used to have a very hard time sticking up for myself in certain situations. And I ended up, the way that I got through it was I pretended that that uh, a co- my confrontational self was a movie character. And mm. I could say as that person anything that I wanted to in that moment, because it's not me saying it, it's her saying it. Yeah. So when I was, um, I think it started when I was in high school and I told my mom, like, I don't want to be Diana anymore. I'm going by Liliana. 
And names are very powerful. It Changing was, your name is mm-hmm. very powerful. So mm-hmm. fucking powerful. And Liliana didn't give a fuck. Liliana just said it how it was. And um, I eventually that just became who I was because I was so comfortable being that. Mm-hmm. And then I had to learn that, okay, well, Liliana's very fucking aggressive and in everybody's face. And I needed that in that moment. But I also need to figure out who Diana is now too and meld the two. It's so cool that both of those names are goddess names. And um, I can totally see what you're describing. Like Lilith, of course, is uh, has this reputation for being very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, I love knowing uh learning people's numerology or having my students do their numerology for your birth name and uh different nicknames or names you've gone by and looking compare the numbers you find you should do this it's find out what number liliana was and what that personality type is and then what number Diana is and this personality type. And I bet you're going to be fucking shocked. Okay. So I'm literally taking notes. So what numerology number? Yeah. So there's a bunch of different um, methods of numerology. Just kind of try all of them, mix and match, you know, like there's the Chaldean and the Pythagorean. So I would look both of them up and then some methods use your middle name. Um, I can't really give you like a definitive way that's best just because there are so many methods, but look those up and share it. You're going to be surprised. You're going to be like, what the fuck? Dude, I feel like I I can already see it. I feel like I'm going to be in your inbox so fucking much and I'm going to be like, new fucking brain challenge unlocked. Guess what I just learned? Yes. (laughs) I also never did the correlation of Lilith and Liliana until this conversation because I, as a teenager, had no fucking clue. And I've I've never Mm -hmm. told anybody about the Liliana thing. Um, Wow. So that's an interesting thing to bring up to you when you make that correlation. That's wild. There was something that you... um, said that I wanted to reiterate that was about um your like uh kind of like the person that you want to be and and being able to find the tools then to help you become that person yes um so yes so like if you're imagining the person you want to be but you've got these traumas and negative behavioral patterns and all these things you need to work on or skills you need to learn because like maybe you don't know how to enunciate and don't know how to project your voice and have people hear you and put your shoulders back or whatever it is like maybe that person is like ripped and fit and like so they're you know now you can look at like what do I need to do to get there because those things as you're imagining that person and bringing that person and you closer and closer together until they are in the same reality, you're going to be presented, I believe by your guides with different um, tools that you need to make that real. They're going to be presented in your path or maybe someone's going to mention it. So when you're seeing these things like, Oh, therapy. Oh, EMDR. Oh, look at this. Like, uh, 
charisma course on YouTube or how to project your voice or whatever it is, like do it. You have to do the actions. You have to do the work. It's so funny that you say this because this conversation, like, of course, like nothing happens, like by, you know, like miracle or whatever, like everything happens Mm -hmm. for a reason and everything goes together in a puzzle. But I, yeah, two nights ago was talking with one of my girlfriends about, um, I was like, this isn't how, like the way that I've been dressing has been for like who I used to be when I was a hundred pounds heavier and didn't want to like show any part of who I am. And I was like, the Diana that like I am and that I'm becoming like the healthier version of me doesn't want to like dress like this anymore. And I don't want to, I don't want to be this. And, um, she ends up sending me to people's, uh, to two girls, Instagram, whose whole thing was about, um, designing your style around your mental health Mm. and, um, about like different things that as you, just different ways that we dress ourselves because of our mental health. And then the things that if we want to reflect and heal the kinds of things that help different personality types, I just thought it was really interesting. That's really a cool approach. That is such a cool approach. Sometimes like I have a a hard time. Uh, It can be hard. Like, so clothes is a huge thing. There was a time in my life where I, didn't leave the house for years. I was very depressed. And obviously, like, all I wore was sweats and stuff. And then I'm like, I don't want to. I started to heal from that. And my life was changing. And I was like, you know what? I feel amazing when I am dressed up with, like, jewelry and then, like, I don't know, cute boots and a dress. Or I just look fucking sick, like, fur coat, (laughs) whatever it is. Like, I feel awesome when I look like that. And I want to look like that every single day. If I'm just going to the bank, I want to look like that. And I've always been really into fashion. But, you know, when you get depressed or something's going on, you just, yeah, you dress for comfort. And, but those same clothes can kind of like keep you down and not remind you to like put your shoulders back. They maybe they're too comfortable and you're going to be, in this like comfort position with your shoulders hunched down and making yourself small yes so wearing high heels or boots or anything like that makes you stand tall and proud and put your shoulders back um that can be so good for you and shopping for those things can be hard and so what you i would always keep in mind is like who again visualizing the true me so it's not really the person I want to be. Let's call that our true selves. There we go. We, we can be whoever we want. Like when you're in the store, you're like, oh, that's cute. Wait, no. Who's talking here? <laughs> Old me or my true me? self is so fit and is just in lingerie and fur coats everywhere. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. And robes. I'm all about robes. Robes. I, I, I want to be like <laughs> Mariah Carey and I want like. When people like catch me in my house, I want to be in stilettos. I want to be in red bottoms and <laughs> lacy robes everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> I wear robes all the time in Do my you house. Really? Yeah. I just wear like these beautiful silky robes. 
Oh my god! I had to recently buy my first pair of sweatpants and sneakers because I hadn't owned any for years. Maybe you're my true self. Was heels, but it worked, man. And now I'm like, all right, you can <laughs> have a pair of sneakers and a pair of sweats. Like it, it's cold sometimes. <laughs> you're out here all the time in like pumps, ready to go. Always, always. I love like that. airports everywhere. <laughs> Who was it? Oh, there's a celebrity and I can't think of, of who it is. Um, but she, she's married to Ryan Gosling. Who's the one married to Ryan Gosling? Oh, who is it? I'm Googling it. Anyway, she said that like, she doesn't wear sweatpants or anything in her house. She is always like completely dressed and done up. She never wants oh, her Eva husband. Mendez. Eva Mendez. She's like, I don't wear like sweatpants and pajamas around my house. That's disgusting. I Mm -hmm. am always fully dressed, ready to go. I want to be the sexiest woman to my husband at all times. And I'm like, eventually one day I'll get there. For now, like if I'm not in pajamas, I'm in my underwear. Like, (laughs) yeah. No, it's uh, like, oh my God, my kitty. Um. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to, to be that person. It also like you know it can be tiring some people have a lot of like mental stamina for that but um that's why robes is the way to go man or just like silky pajamas get silky pajamas like pajama shorts and little camisoles my afterpay and my sizzle accounts are going to be maxed out (laughs) (laughs) true 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 well you know you is your birthday coming up you got a birthday you got christmas just I got ask may. for it may all right well ask for ask for some blessings from your beautiful audience <laughs> can you guys please get me silky robes and laundry if somebody could take one thing from your episode today what would it be mm, i really liked the theme that we talked about of visualizing your true dream self and um, finding the tools that you need to become that person because that is the true you. Yes. I think that if, if you decide it, if you decide that's you, then it is you're the, you're in charge. That's so beautiful. I think that's the perfect thing to, um, leave people with. I'm going to reach out to you um, privately outside of here um, just to talk about some things that we talked about here. Um, And I always tell everybody if they end up having any questions about anything that you've said or they want to learn about your services, your social media will be linked um, in the description below the episode so they can go find you, ask things directly. I try not to like speak for what somebody else's thoughts were Mm -hmm. cool i'm happy to speak to anybody i respond to all my dms always so uh, don't hesitate i'm not too busy for you at all (laughs) i love Mm -hmm. that okay well i will uh, message you and thank you so much for your time thank you for having me this was so great you're welcome we'll do it again cool bye bye (laughs) 